Welcome to the Ninja Lane Podcast Extras. In this episode, we talk about one of the most anticipated DLCs for Borderlands 2 and a game that has the highest rating ever. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McCain. As I'm recording this, in three days, the new DLC comes out. The new DLC for... Borderlands 2. Sweet. Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon's Keep, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. Now that's the one that they've been teasing, right? Right, right. And it's also the one we talked about on a previous podcast based off of what was shown at PAX East. And I kind of came up with the idea that they were going to do like this big role-playing game because Borderlands 2 is kind of a role-playing game. You can change the way your character uh, is based on skill points and buying stuff in different trees and class mods and blah, 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 blah. So, really, we've been playing Borderlands 2 for some time. Yeah, and we keep talking about it, which is probably boring to everybody, but... But... It's a fun game. It is a fun game, and it's been on sale a lot, so you got no excuse to not go out and buy it for, oh, $19.99? $29.99 with all the DLC? Uh, yeah. Less than that with all the DLC, if you really, really, really look... Honestly, you'd have to be crazy to skip it. Crazy. Crazy. Well, it is one of the top-rated games uh, out in a long time, except for maybe... What'd you get for the PlayStation? So my wife surprised me with a copy of The Last of Us Uh, on the PlayStation 3. It's only on PlayStation 3, too. It is an exclusive. It's from Naughty Dog Games, and I'm always amused by that because Naughty Dog was one of my favorite paintball teams. So easy to remember. But for the rest of the world, Naughty Dog is most famous for Nathan Drake, the Uncharted series. Oh, yes. And you like Uncharted, too, I believe. I absolutely love Uncharted. In fact, to me, it should be a system seller. It's exclusive to the PlayStation 3 also. And really an amazing game. Okay. So tell me about The Last of Us. Well, it's hard to segue into The Last of Us because it is a little bit more serious. Now, if you've followed Naughty Dog in the Uncharted series, it's sort of an Indiana Jones, Tomb Raider-esque style game. Mm -hmm. And it's very cinematic, but Nathan Drake is, even down to a sense of humor, really a stand-in for Indiana Jones. And the missions are a lot like that, too, so it's a lot to jump and shoot. So the same engine, the Havoc engine, I believe, is being used in The Last of Us. Now, The Last of Us has been fairly heavily promoted, but it's kind of being marketed as a zombie game, which is, I don't think, really very fair. No, because it's more of an infection-style game. Yeah, which is not that much different. But I've played the game now, to be fair, only... Well, a couple of hours, maybe three hours tops. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to see a single zombie or infected in the game. So to me, it's more of a survivalist game so far. Right. Now, the first, what, 15 minutes of it is kind of a... Well, the first... Well, I saw the trailer, the the walkthrough of part one. Right. right? And the first part of it is a movie because you always have the, the cutscenes, mm-hmm. And then the second... 10, 15 minutes of it is a playable movie, so to speak. Yeah, and that's what makes it very interesting and and different from the Uncharted series. Uncharted had moments where you would go into short scripted segments and you'd watch, 
eh, you know, not unlike the Final Fantasy series, a minute or two of dialogue before you gain control of your character again. So this is taken into account in The Last of Us. And you mentioned the beginning of it. And I really stress that you should go out, even if you're not going to buy the game or rent it, and at least watch the first few minutes of it because it sets such a fantastic tone, really unlike anything else I've played, with the infection. And you start out with, yeah, it's an interactive movie. Yeah, and I want to say that um, it's done very, very well. Very good story, at least in the first 15 minutes of drama. It's um, It sets a good tone, um, and it really brings back kind of what... Um, I wish Homefront would have been. Yes. Because Homefront also had this amazing story. You didn't really need to have a video for it either. It was it was just kind of a, a tell a story. They had some of the you know, the previews for the game, but mm-hmm. you know, it was North Korea takes over and basically invades the US and the US falls to it. So if you've played Homefront, then you're probably familiar with the intro bit and the bus scene, which really set the tone for that game mm-hmm. where you have this almost Red Dawn-esque thing going on, and you're really powerless to do anything about it for, I don't know, maybe the first 10 minutes or so of that game also before you're rescued, for lack of a better term, and you uh, join the folks that are fighting back. And that similar idea is carried out in The Last of Us, but it's done in such a way that, I mean, it's, it's almost like a gut punch. Now I'm a father and I have a daughter... And without spoiling the interesting too much, it really is. You start out by playing, I believe, a 14-year-old daughter mm-hmm. of the uh, the main protagonist. And then as the story progresses, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, you switch over to him in a pretty dramatic way that I don't want to spoil for you. Yeah, you kind of have to watch it. And... Um... I since I don't have a PlayStation, I, it's pretty safe for me to go and read about the ending of the story. Mm-hmm. And once I've seen the intro, I can understand the ending. Although it is kind of a not necessarily a cliffhanger, but it kind of has a twist. It is a bit of a twist, I hear. So don't ruin it for me. Yeah, I'm but uh... to. but <laughs> but yeah, it would be definitely one to to look up on YouTube and watch the playthroughs. If you don't have a PlayStation Three, they have a you know, it's streaming on Twitch every once in a while, so you can kind of watch somebody else play the game. Absolutely, and I got to tell you that if you haven't played the Uncharted games and you own a PlayStation Three, then there's something seriously wrong with you because every single one of those games has won Best of Show and Game of the Year awards across the board. But The Last of Us is unique, and you kind of mentioned this earlier. It is the highest rated game that I've ever seen in the history of video games, period. In fact, when you go to Metacritic, which is an aggregate source that gathers uh, gaming credits from gaming reviews from all over the web, both from professionals and from individual players, I went through, I think, seven pages of perfect scores before I hit a 98 out of 100 score. And what did the 98 person say that they hated? They hated that there were scripted bits. Which is basically a call out to every console game in existence. Yeah, and the downside of it, and I'll agree, is that it makes the combat bits a little bit more predictable because you know that there's going to be a scripted bit 
And if there's not a scripted bit, that there's probably going to be a combat bit. Yeah. Well, going back to Homefront, <clears throat> one of the things I hated about it was the fact that it was totally on rails. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would get into a firefight where I'm coming through two houses into a cul-de-sac, and there's like a, a tank or something like that in the middle of the cul-de-sac. There's bushes next to me. There's houses next to me. I should be able to hide behind the bush or go into the house and be get a little bit of cover, right? Right. Um, no. I can see the bush. I can stand in front of it. I can't get behind it. The environments in the beginning, at least, of the actual gameplay mm-hmm. in The Last of Us reminded me a lot of Half-Life 2, where you're on the rooftops, you're out in the city... And you have sort of a limited area, but it's controlled in a way that makes sense. You can't go into buildings. You can't climb over tall fences. Right. Well, there's kind of like a visual barrier saying you exactly. can't go there. And what's nice in The Last of Us is that even in these barriers and behind them, there's stuff going on. So you may not be able to go through a fence, but it's not static. There might be people walking around or cars driving by <laughs> or something that direction. So it's not just a wall for the sake of a wall. Uh, it blocks your coverage, but it's not static. It's not like a dead end. There's there's motion. Um, and I, I really liked that. And I liked also that all of the characters had a fair amount of dialogue, which has been a strength of the Naughty Dog games. But it's nice to see a game where the conversation feels natural and well-acted to the point where you take an emotional investment in the characters right from the get-go, as you saw. I mean, it really, it's hard not to take an interest in the health of everybody in the game. And when you have a survivalist, survival horror infected sort of theme, you know not everybody's going to make it. Oh, no. And I believe the theme is that you are supposed to deliver somebody that is going to save the world. That's right. And if you've seen any of the trailers that, that, you know, that a large part of the game is basically an escort mission. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you risk that and, it's uh, it's more realistic in a sense that if you get shot, there's a high percentage chance that you're going to die. And it has some really interesting mechanics that are fairly new that are maybe a little bit cribbed from some other games. I mean, you've got a crate hide mechanic where you can take cover, but it also gives you the ability to you know, throw a bottle and distract a guard so you can come up and take them down silently from behind. But it adds to that by giving you the ability to throw the same brick or bottle at the guard and briefly disorient them so you can go up and engage them in hand-to-hand combat or shoot them while they're unable to respond. So it has some stealth elements to it, and there are a lot of areas where it encourages you to completely avoid combat. So you have two options. You can play it in the old thief style, or you can engage it directly like you would in the God of War or Half-Life or any of those hide-and-shoot games. Yeah. Well, the Far Cry 3 comes to mind as a current pc title that's like that yeah um and it's also not necessarily open world it's kind of like open crisis style so there's a a wide field and you can pick what side of the field you want to go on but there's obviously once you get to the end of it there's a fence and you can't go over it Mm -hmm. um one of the games that i hate that was kind of like what you described was medal of honor oh yeah and this one was set in the deserts of Afghanistan, I believe. But it was so on rails that you would be walking down a path, and if you went off the path, it would push you back. Or you would try to go and jump on a rock so you could see over the tanks running in the background to see where they're going. You couldn't jump on the rock, and the rock was like, you know, just a foot high. But you could go over to a cliff that was like four feet, and you could jump on that. Well, I think that 
as a gamer, especially if you've been a gamer for a while, you are conditioned to accept the cutscenes and a little bit of the lack of control when it serves the story. Yes. And the same can be said of the herding. I mean, a lot of games have limited areas where, you know, in this one you're running down specific alleys and you don't have a lot of options or you might be running down a ravine and it's controlled, but it's done so in a way that it doesn't really feel confining. It serves the story. And that's when it's done well, as yeah. opposed to Homefront, where there were areas that it looked like you should be able to go that you were artificially enforced out of. So I want to really give a recommend to the game. My first impression is it's a must-play. I don't know how long it is, so I'm not sure I could call it a must-buy, but you should definitely check it out. Cutting-edge PlayStation 3 graphics, incredible storyline, across the board, massively strong ratings. So don't let this game pass you by. Now, you mentioned the Tiny Tina expansion, which we haven't had a chance to play. No, by the time that this podcast comes out, it should be available. So first impressions. I know you saw the first five minutes of gameplay. The first five minutes? Oh, my God. Um, So way lighter than The Last (laughs) of Us, right? (laughs) Yeah, way lighter. Um, I'm going to say that I was was right. It was going to be a role-playing game. So you have... The original Vault Hunters that were helping you through Borderlands 2. We have, um, you know, Tiny Tina is one of the non-player characters. Right. Brick is in there, Mordecai, and Lilith. They're playing Bunkers and Badasses, which is basically <laughs> a throwback of Dungeons and Dragons. Except that you are the character in the game. So as you are going, in the first five minutes, Tina is describing where you are and what you see. It just like in a role-playing so you, game. She's your classic dungeon master or game master or whatever you call it from tabletop gaming yep and as you're walking down um this rocky path she says oh and then skeletons come out and attack you so all these skeletons spawn and so you get to fight all the skeletons and then it gets to the part where um a dragon comes out and you can't damage the dragon and then lilith says hey you can't have a boss fight that they can't can't (laughs) win so all of a sudden she says oh okay well Everyone back up, and then all of a sudden you were in fight for life, and then all of a sudden you're back up again. So it's just like you know she reset the game, and uh, and out comes Mister something Skeletor pants or something like that. But um, <laughs> it is it looks like it will be a lot of fun to play. Well, I like that they've taken the already a little bit irreverent tone, and really taken it over the top in a classical computer geek gaming geek sort of mode. <laughs> True. Now, I um, did a little bit of research, and somebody has already leaked what new weapons you're going to get. Like when Sugar Hamelock came out, there was new um, new class mods and stuff like that that came out for the characters. Well, in Tiny Tina's Adventure, they also have some more, including nice. a couple of new legendaries. Ooh. Um, a couple of the grenade mods actually, when you have them equipped, will regenerate grenades for you. Wow, that'd be nice. Well, it's also nice because you can throw them, but... Um, they uh, described it as being a way to simulate spells in Borderlands 2. Oh. So your grenade is kind of like mana. So when you throw your a spell, which would be a grenade, you are depleted one. And you throw out all of them, then you're depleted all of those. But over time, you can regenerate, which is you know bringing up your mana again. So interesting. In the five-minute walkthrough, which we'll link to in the show notes... There are some pretty fun, I would say, Dungeons and Dragons-esque inspired baddies like 
skeleton archers and you already mentioned a dragon boss yeah but it's definitely a change of pace a different a different tongue-in-cheek irreverence that that i think is going to be very refreshing especially since a lot of us have played the game to the point almost a burnout <laughs> yeah ultimate vault hunter mode i finally finished it in ultimate vault hunter mode Woohoo! yeah i made it to level 61 even before um taking down jack which I don't know if that was on purpose or not because I did do a little bit of multiplayer with you, but um, yeah, it was um, after that I got, you know, on the way to the warrior, I was trying to just run through because I wasn't getting any more experience. I didn't want any of the drops. I just wanted to get through. Um, (laughs) Just hurry up and finish this. (laughs) And it didn't work out. I ended up dying a few times, but. So we talked a little bit last time on Borderlands 2 about Krieg the Psycho. Oh, yes, Krieg. And now that you've had a chance to play with Krieg a little bit, what do you think? I don't like him. I I think he's a different style of play, but it doesn't bring me back. I think we're both in agreement on that, but maybe in the minority. The play style, enough different that it's refreshing, but to me, it wasn't as appealing as I'd hoped. Yeah, the skill trees are a little strange. Um... Kind of like the Mecro skill tree, it took a little while to figure out what did what. Mm-hmm. And in Krieg, it's the same way. And there's some stuff in there that I really don't know what... I'm not a high enough level to know exactly what the tree does. Yeah, it seems like there are some combos in there that don't make a lot of sense. But it's still new enough that we haven't seen a lot of you know, successful experimental builds out there. Yeah, that's true. And so your character is, what, level 12, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think I played all the way up to 19... Um, interesting thing is when you go into your action skill and you make a kill with your buzz axe, you get all your health back. But if you're in the middle of a melee fight, you're getting hit from all sides. So you might get all your health back, but you're probably going to go into fight for your life at some point. Yeah. Well, I've been working on the skills that, that give me powers when I die because to me, that was the intriguing piece. So I've got the one that lets you explode like a grenade and, and I'm working my way towards throwing the dynamite and chasing people around when I'm in second wind mode. So. <laughs> and it just seems a little weird that in second wind mode, you still have the same power that you would in normal mode. Yeah, definitely some stuff to get used to. But, yeah, you know, some of the new commentary is entertaining and it's definitely more irreverent than before. So if you liked that sort of crass weirdness, Krieg's your man. <laughs> oh, and speaking of... When Gearbox announced Krieg as a downloadable character, they re- also released a video of uh, the meat bicycle. <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'll link to the video in the show notes, but it's, it's a worth watch. It's kind of funny. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2013. Thanks for listening.